0: Mary Johnson, an enrolled member of the Tulalip Tribe in Washington, was 39 years old when she disappeared on November 25, 2020. She was last seen reportedly walking along the road on her way to visit friends and hasn't been seen since. Although her case is being investigated as a homicide, her family says that the investigation into her disappearance has stalled. This is a story of Mary Johnson.
1: Hey guys, this is Osh. This is Shiyashi.
2: This is Maggie. And you're listening to We Are Resilient. First try.
0: <laughs> we're, we're getting better and better. What do you got for us today, Osh? Uh,
1: so today I'm going to take you to Osa, Washington. Uh, this is the story of Mary Johnson. She was on her way to a friend's house the day before Thanksgiving but never made it. And to this day, her whereabouts are still unknown. Mary Johnson was 39 years old when she went missing in November of 2020. She would be 40 or 41 years old today. And she grew up with three sisters in foster care. And she was the youngest of the three. Her sisters described her as someone who would give you the shirt off her back. One time she even bought a homeless guy sandwich and dog food for the dogs at the Safeway grocery store. So she was always just looking out for people and especially for the res
0: dogs. So she's a good person, good spirit. I'm scared of the res dogs. Yeah, me too. They chased me on my bike one time. I think everyone's been chased by the res
1: dogs. (laughs) She's described as spunky, lovable. She's a jokester. She's a good person to be around. And she just made you laugh if you were sad. She gave you hugs if you were sad. She was just nice to everyone, even to strangers on the street. What tribe is she from? She's an, an enrolled member of the Tulalip tribe. And I've never heard of this tribe.
2: Or is it part of a bigger tribe? The
1: Tulalip tribes are direct descendants of the Shahomish, Chinook, and Skykomish, and I hope I said those right. And other allied bands of the 1855 Treaty of Point Elliott. They agreed to cede title to their ancestral lands as signatories, which expanded to the opt of the Cascade Mountains, north to Vancouver Island and south to Oregon. Um, they reside currently on the Tulalip Indian Reservation. Uh total population is just over 5,100 and growing with 2,700 members, residing on 22,000 acres. So pretty small tribe. And they speak the Lushootseed language.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so let's get into her story. The family of Mary Johnson has been very active in searching for her by putting up flyers, a billboard on a local interstate, and there's even a reward offered by the FBI, which has reached ten thousand dollars. Still, like many missing women, no information has been brought forth to find her. Mary and her husband, Eric Johnson, had been living in Jerry Davis's home, who is her sister. They were living in Sandra Willet, Washington. Things were going okay, I suppose, but for the last few months they said Mary went missing. She'd have been acting different. And you know, we talked to them before about how we know our families and we know when they're acting just a little off or, you know, something's just not right. Her sister stated she just wasn't herself. They worried about her and they were concerned, which rightfully so. I didn't find any specifics to what they meant by her acting different, but they talked about her warm personality and her jokes, her laughter, which was infectious. And that just wasn't her anymore.
0: Did you find anything in your research that talked about any potential mental health issues or trauma that she's experienced? No, they didn't go any specifics um, on that. No.
1: Things got even more odd. Jerry, her sister, stated she rarely answered her phone when they called her, and she would only occasionally respond to their text messages, which was very odd of her to not be in touch with her sisters because they were, you know, they were close. And Mm -hmm. again, it's just, it just throws up a red flag when you're close to someone and all of a sudden they're just acting weird and not
2: responding. Did you say that she lived with her boyfriend? Uh, Her husband. Husband. Okay. Her husband, Eric Johnson.
0: Was there anything in your research that said anything about her relationship with her husband? So I'm going to get into that. One day, all of a sudden,
1: Mary's estranged husband called Jerry to say he hadn't seen his wife in weeks. Weeks. And there are a lot of unknowns surrounding her case. But I'll go over a timeline that the Tulalip Tribal Police Department provided, which are based off of cell phone records and interviews with people who saw her last. All right.
0: This already sounds sketchy. That it's really
2: suspicious two weeks went by before he even said anything to her family.
1: Right. And it, it didn't specify how long they had been married. And, and all my research and all my reading, it never stated how long. So before she went missing, Mary and her husband weren't getting along too well. Mm-hmm. They were having relationship issues and she was mostly staying with friends. So she would return home to the couple's shared home every few days and to get her mail, to pack a bag, take a shower before she would leave again. On November 24th, the day before she was last seen, her estranged husband dropped her off at a friend's house on the tulip reservation with a suitcase. Mary stayed there overnight, and the plan for the next day was to head to the house of a couple she knew in Osa, which was 30 miles away. The friend she was staying with was supposed to give her a ride to a nearby church where she was going to meet up with someone to take her the rest of the way to the couple's house in Osa. Well, a second man who was also staying at the same house Mary stayed at wanted to catch a ride, too. And they didn't give names. They just specified second man, you know, friend, whatever. Well, things didn't go as planned. On November 25th, Mary's friend backed out on the offer and didn't give Mary or the other man a ride. What the hell? Why? I don't know. Just backed out. So okay. Mary set out toward the church on foot around 1.30 that afternoon. And the other man also started walking away from the house with her. So then a third guy, the person who was supposed to meet at the church and give Mary a ride to Oso, drove up on her walking on Fire Trail Road. Mary was walking with the second guy from the home earlier that I talked about. Fire Trail Road leads to the I-95 intersection that stretches 14,000 miles, and it connects the, um, the U.S. border to Mexico and to the northern part of Canada. So it's, it's, a, it's a long stretch of interstate.
0: You said 14,000 miles? Is that
1: just one one road? Yeah. Well, it's it's a I-95. It's from U.S. border in Mexico to the northern part of Canada.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't really know roads. <laughs> <laughs> it goes all the way up and all the way down. OK.
1: <laughs> um, He told them he only had room for one person in his vehicle and he kept on going, declining to give her a ride. So even though he was only supposed to pick up Mary, he still didn't pick her up and left her, left her to walk. And that was the last time it was reported that Mary was seen. She never made it to the couple's house in Oso. Okay,
0: so she was walking, and that was the last time she was seen. Yes. So who were these people? Friends, but I don't know how good of a friend
1: they could be if they just left her walking and back down and giving her a ride.
2: And I wonder how they got all this information. Like, who is this story coming from?
1: Uh, this is coming from interviews that the tribal police did with the people that saw her last. It didn't give names.
0: It just said, you know, second guy, third guy, friend. I'm starting to wonder about this guy that was walking with her because he does sound really sketchy. And was he the reason why when it's when her friends pulled up, they were like, uh, no, we're not, we're not going to be a part of this with this guy. Um, before she disappeared, though, she did leave a couple voicemails.
1: In her voicemail, her voice sounded like it was in desperation. She pleaded with them to pick up, please pick up the phone, please pick up the phone, but no one would answer. Around 2.30, a woman, who I assume was the woman whose house she was trying to get to, picked up the phone. She answered. But she told police she was too busy to speak to Mary.
2: Who else did she leave voicemails for?
1: It just states this one friend, the, the friend that she was, the house that she was walking to.
2: Oh, so she just kept trying to call her over and over again.
1: Yeah, pleading with her to pick up the phone. It states in the police report that desperation was in her voice. Whenever she left these voicemails,
0: I am going to say it doesn't sound like she had really that great of a friend circle around her. That's how it appears. Yes, I agree.
1: The police believe someone may have picked Mary up because at some point her cell phone records indicate that about an hour after her last call, her phone connected to a tower in the Oso area, which Mm -hmm. would be too far of a distance for her to cover by walking. And that was determined by the phone records. So the amount of time that it would have took her, like it was 30 miles from where she was to get Mm -hmm. to Oso, she wouldn't have made it there within the hour by foot. There's just no way.
0: So you said her walking was the last time anyone had seen her. So at this point, we don't know who picked her up, where they took her to or anything. It's just unanswered. Correct.
1: Records indicate the phone went offline for a period of time before it reconnected to a tower in the greater Marysville, Tulalip area later that night. It remained in that location until the next morning until it eventually powered off. The man who was supposed to pick her up from the church, the guy who declined to give her a ride, told police he hadn't seen or heard from her since November 25th. And the second guy, the guy that had been walking with her, said the two went their separate ways and he had no idea where she went.
0: I don't know
1: this guy that was walking with her where did they separate yeah which way did she go where which way was she walking when you last seen her where did you go and it doesn't don't. state okay and on December 9th is when Johnson's estranged husband reported her missing what is that like four that's two weeks 14 days mm-hmm. after a lot can happen in 14 days
2: did he give reasoning why he took so long to report it I guess
1: because he's labeled as estranged and they weren't really living together. Remember, I said she would come to their house, get a bag and she would leave because she mostly stayed with friends. It sounds like they were married, but they were kind of separated. So maybe it just wasn't out of the norm for him not to see
2: her. That makes sense.
1: Her case has been labeled open and active without much movement in the investigation. Multiple people have been named persons of interest and interviewed, but no arrests have been made yet. And because a body has not been recovered, it is difficult to establish probable cause that is necessary to seek search warrants. Also, she was reported missing weeks after she was last seen, so surveillance footage or precise location information that could have offered clues were most likely overwritten. They're just gone. There's no trail. It's gone. And because authorities don't know for sure if Johnson disappeared on or off the reservation, it's unclear whether the police can leverage federal grand jury subpoena powers or not. And that goes back into what we talk about in the past, jurisdiction issues.
0: So what does that mean? who Who's in charge of looking for her? Is anybody looking for her besides the family? The Tulela Tribal
1: Police Department are looking for her, as well as the FBI who are investigating, because they are the ones offering a $10,000 reward. Oh, that's right. Again, this is just one of thousands of cases that they're working on.
0: You know, when we started this podcast, we come across so many cases from 2020 and 2021. It's just constant. With that being said, we rarely come across cases where these women just up and leave and just run away. There's always some kind of circumstance or something, something fishy, something sketchy. And it
2: just sounds odd. I think what's hard too is where she went missing, right? It's such a busy highway that it really I mean, the same thing that happened with um what's the case where the girl was stumped out on the highway and walked through the field?
1: Selena so Notterfred was one.
2: Yeah. So it seems like, you know, when these women and these people get put out like near really busy highways, it makes it really hard too.
0: Oh, that's right. Because we could we could consider a possibility to be trafficking because of its proximity to the interstate and this really long stretch of road that goes from Mexico to Canada.
1: Yeah. A spokeswoman, Saley, stated, and I quote, we don't know if she was kidnapped, if she's held against her will, if she has been murdered. It could be argued maybe she wandered off in the woods and got lost. Maybe she overdosed and passed away somewhere in a remote area and we don't know where. Maybe she's just hiding. Maybe she's in treatment, but there's a lot of maybes, end quote.
0: That's got to be so hard. I couldn't imagine waking up one morning and knowing that my sister was headed to a friend's house and just never made it. And there's no, there's nothing out there. There's no, there's no answer. There's, there's nothing. I I can't imagine how frustrating and how scary that's got to feel. You know what concerns me? is you were saying how her friends and family were noticing some different behavior from her, not typical behavior, and that she wasn't really being responsive in texts and things like that. So I wonder if there was personal things that nobody really knew about that she was dealing with, or was there unruly people that she was dealing with, you know, someone just kind of swooped her up was she being followed is that why she had those desperate voicemails that she was trying to reach somebody i don't know there's a lot of questions in this case
1: and how do you how do you wake up every morning as one of her loved ones who's searching for her missing for her and you just don't know you know what if she is being held captive somewhere what if she's hurt what if she's scared you know how are you supposed to just give up you, you can't you And that's what her family's doing. They're still searching and they're still wanting to find her and bring her home or at least get some kind of answers because no one deserves to go through this. No one deserves to have a loved one gone and missing and you don't know if they're alive or not. And that's that's so scary.
2: And it's always hard, too, when it seems like if the couple's estranged, like, everyone just assumes that the other person or the woman is just out, like, trying to live her life without the husband, you know? That's what it seems like everyone kind of makes that assumption. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Irregardless, nobody deserves this kind of injustice to not be— for something to happen to her, and nobody knows what happened, regardless of her lifestyle. Advocates for Mary have expressed the very same thing that we're talking about here— and the things that we've talked about in the past, you know, the maze of jurisdiction that exists. The cases of missing indigenous women are often lost in this maze. Prosecutors and law enforcement having to establish their authority rests with the federal government, the state or at the tribal level. The time it takes to, to determine the jurisdiction of a case can ultimately affect whether these women live or if they've died. And that was a statement made by Abigail Echo Hawk. Echo Hawk also stated they assume to have been killed, murdered or disappeared. They're assumed to have run away, to have had substance abuse issues, to have done something that caused them to go missing or to be murdered. And I feel that's true. I feel that sometimes there's a stigma around Indigenous women that, well, that's what she did. That's what she gets. That's what she deserves. And I I don't agree with that. I think that, you know, like I've always said, like we always say, it doesn't matter. This is somebody Mm -hmm. and nobody can judge who deserves justice and who doesn't deserve justice. Who deserves the resources to be found or the case solved? Everyone deserves that equally.
0: You know, that's a really powerful quote you just gave us because it's true. And I agree with you. In a lot of these cases, we see a lot of finger pointing, a lot of blaming. Well, she was at a party. She was drinking. Uh, she had a problem with addiction. And it's like pointing the finger and saying that they're the cause for their own murders or for the fact they're being taken. I don't understand that. It makes me think of the Brittany Tiger case uh, because we had talked a lot about how Brittany's family was dealing with a lot of people in the community pointing fingers saying that Brittany was a junkie and things like that. And it's like, no. Whether or not she had a problem with addiction, it does not matter. She is a human being. Yes, I totally agree. The last time she was seen, she was walking down a road. Mary was just minding her business. Yeah, she was just trying to get to her friend's house. I still think the guy that was walking with her initially, I think that whole thing is sketchy. And I want to know what the reasoning was. I know you said the friend who was supposed to pick her up at the church said he only had room in his car for one person. But why not take her with him? I don't I don't understand. I, I feel like there's got to be some other reason for that.
1: Yeah. And how do you live with that? You were the last one to see her, you know, reportedly the last one. Allegedly. Allegedly correct. Davis, uh, who is Mary's other sister, stated she didn't. She did have a drug and alcohol problem, but they should see the other side of her as a person. She says they're judging her for what they know, and they don't know the loving sister and the caring and beautiful soul she is. They feel the investigation started out intense, but since they feel that it has lots effort again, and like many cases, they compared it to the Gabby Petito case and the media coverage she receives and how quickly her case was solved. It was solved quickly because people wanted justice for Gabby. We all wanted justice for Gabby. Mm -hmm. And just because this is one of thousands of Indigenous women that are missing, she deserves the same, the same coverage, the same
0: closure that people are wanting her to have. What I can't understand is why this isn't clicking with a lot of people I mean you guys know based on the research that we do and we uncover stories after story every single day. Every single day there there's women being added to this missing list and the numbers for missing and murdered indigenous women keep growing. So why why are we fighting so hard to have these women get the same energy that other non-native women are getting. Why do we have to fight so hard for that? It should be a common goal for all of us. I almost
2: think it's overwhelming for people because with Gabby Petito, she was like the only like relevant missing person at the time. But when you look into like Indian country and how many are missing or how many cases are unsolved, it's so overwhelming. So it's almost like it's almost like we just can't get enough traction because there's so many.
0: Yeah. That's scary.
1: And unfair. Yep. I mean, you may not be able to solve every case, but we can start by solving one case at a time.
0: It may even just bring in awareness and making people see these women as, as people. You said that she's a hugger and that she has a warm smile and a warm spirit about her. I think more than anything and why this podcast is so important is because we are showing that they're more than just an MMIW, that these were people and, you know, they had gifts and they had things they were good at and they have families that love them and want them to come home and want justice for them and want people to be looking for them. And so I think it's just important for us, at least on our part, is to get their names out there. Yes, absolutely.
1: You know, her family, they worry about her. And like I said earlier, you know, they just, the just not knowing is what's troubling to them Mm -hmm. their their primary concern for mary is she may have been a victim of human trafficking Mm -hmm. they're just helping and praying that they get some kind of news and detective saley who works for the tribal police department also stated the case has been investigated as a homicide and the case is open and active we do have leads that we are still following up on and there are some developments but nothing we can share because they do not want to tip off We do not want to tip our hand and ruin the investigation. So it sounds like they may have some leads, but they're not speaking on them. Mary's sisters are not giving up hope and they're trying to stay positive, but preparing for the worst. Nona Blunt stated, my sister is a wonderful person and we all love her dearly. And so that's the story of Mary Johnson. And even though there's lots of maybes, there's lots of unknowns and a lot of questions, her family misses her dearly. They want her home or they want some kind of answer? Mary is described as a five foot six, one hundred and fifteen pound woman with black hair and brown eyes, a sunburst tattoo on her upper right arm, and a beauty mark on the back of her neck. They want law enforcement to utilize all resources available because native women deserve the same respect and compassion as anyone else. If anyone has the information, please reach out to local law enforcement, the Seattle FBI, or the Tulalip Police Department. Bring her home. Her family
0: misses her. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at We Are at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.